The Selfish Path to Romance. Download Chapter 1 for free at drkenner.com. Hi, Dr. Kenner. I have a 12-year-old son, Tony, who has shared a sexual experience with another boy. I don't know if it's curiosity. I don't know what to think. I'm so confused. My husband says it's just curiosity and puberty and it's normal, but I don't know. Now every time I look at my son, I think of these things. What should I do? Three question marks. Please advise. Anna. Okay. Every time I look at my son, I think of these things. Now that's a toughie. I mean, you look at your son and you picture him with another boy or doing something sexual with another boy. So your mind is very unsettled about this. And my guess is your mind has gone to what most parents' mind goes to, the worst case scenario, you catastrophize. You start to thinking, oh my God, what is the meaning of this? Why is he doing this? Is it possible that he learned this from this kid? Is, is, has this kid been a victim of abuse? Is he abusing my son? Is my son abused? Is my son gay? Will I never have the grandchildren I want because he's going to have a gay relationship? And your mind can go on and on and weave one story after another story. Will he get AIDS because AIDS is more prevalent in the gay community? Will he be a decent gay guy, kid or not? You know, Will he be one of the ones that are on the fringes who give a bad name to the word gay, which is undeserved? So um, that's your worst case scenario. What I always encourage parents to do is to think of the best case scenario, which is just what your husband's doing. That this is simple curiosity, simple exploration, uh, simple self-discovery. He's discovering an orgasm. He's discovering that your parts of your body tingle and feel really good. And you want to set a standard for him. Instead of saying, I don't ever want you with that kid again, I don't want you ever to ever touch another guy again, well, that's going to tempt him because anything taboo and anything a parent yells at you at, you're more tempted to want to say, don't tell me what to do, I'll do what I want, and you proceed with the same behavior. So what I would encourage is just to say, honey, it's great that our bodies can give us such pleasure. At this stage, you want to... Do that in private, you know, enjoy yourself in private. So you're not saying that masturbation is bad or anything. You're just encouraging him, setting a standard that it's to be done in private. And you don't want to give him a lot of unearned guilt or guilt about this. You can you can give him the book, What's Happening to Me. It's a book by Peter Maley, which helps kids understand puberty. And it also helps parents understand puberty and make some sense of getting an erection and being being around the opposite sex and being turned on. Uh, again, I want to underscore that this is normal behavior. It's not normal in the sense that we encourage kids to you know, masturbate with other kids the way we tell them to brush their teeth. When they explore sexuality, though, it's not something we want to encourage, but it's something that does happen. Two kids can be playing doctor and it goes a bit too far. Or two young girls may be experimenting in an overnight camp and have a do or dare type of situation and they go a little too far. Or boys can discover or girls can discover their dad's playboy or a penthouse and get instantly aroused and they start experimenting together. So it's not necessarily bad. And I will bet, Anna. Hey, I got to interrupt this because we've got to pay some bills. 30 seconds. That's it. A very quick ad and then Alan will be back. Romance. I wish I knew more about what girls want from a relationship. Boy, I wish I knew more about what I want. Where's that ad I saw? Here it is. The Selfish Path to Romance, a serious romance guidebook. 
Download Chapter 1 for free at SelfishRomance.com and buy it at Amazon.com. Huh. The selfish path to romance. That is interesting. They start experimenting together, so it's not necessarily bad. And I will bet, Anna, if you did a poll of the next 50 people you met and asked them how they first learned about sex, I'm not saying that you'll do this because most people won't be honest and it's prying, but how they learned about sex, and if they were completely honest with you, you would be served several stories of people who experimented with same sex, and you would see that it's normal. I see it in therapy a lot. Parent adults will tell me, "Well, my first sexual experience was this," and they the same sex experience, and they're very happily married. So the, I'm Dr. Ellen Kenner, and I hope that helps you, Anna. And uh, you're listening to the Rational Basis of Happiness. Uh, this one was a little scary one. Do you don't think of four? You think of four-year-olds being darling or a pain, pain in the butt occasionally. But listen to this one, dear Doctor Kenner. I have a four-year-old nephew whose dad walked out on him and his mom. His dad visits visits him once or twice a month. I am concerned because my nephew has so much anger built up. He constantly talks about killing everybody and taking a knife and stabbing everyone. Can you please help us teach him how to release all of his anger in a healthy and positive way? And uh, again, this is her nephew, her four-year-old nephew. That's exactly what you want to do. You want to help get to the source of his anger. You need to understand it. And if you're in his life, I'll assume you are in his life a bit, maybe babysitting a bit, um, or maybe you have a good relationship with the mom, find out what's going on. Maybe the mother's really angry. If dad walked out and left her with the kid, uh, she may be either a loving mom or she may be really resentful and taking it out on the kid, in which case the mother may be the source of anger, not the dad. Uh, if it, you want to find out what What's causing it? It's also possible that he may be abused. When you, I've seen many kids with this degree of rage because I worked with abused kids for several years, and they they would take my dolls and rip the heads off of like a Ken doll or whoever was the, the stand-in for the perpetrator. They would that person would be torn limb to limb, thrown across my office. There's so much anger. So if it's if it's that he's been abused, you want to look for some signs of it: burn marks, cuts, bruises fear of adults or anger towards adults and out of proportion anger uh, any um, bite marks on him any if, if it's sexual abuse any secretiveness any self-injury any harming himself or hurting animals there are lots of typical signs of sexual abuse you can go to websites just put in sexual abuse children and it will tell you or input symptoms and you'll immediately get several sites I've done that myself so what is the alternative? You want to get a book, How to Talk So Kids Will Listen, and Listen So Kids Will Talk by Adele Faber and Elaine Maslisch at my website. Have him say, I can see how angry you are. Draw me a picture of how angry you are. He's only four years old. Tell me in words. Tell mom in words. And let's come up with some better ways of dealing with the anger. So you want to find its cause and then give him better strategies to cope with his anger. And here's a little more from Dr. Kenner. You've heard me preaching it for years, but you didn't have the wits to know what you were hearing. Why do you suppose I denounced greatness and praised mediocrities like you? Great men can't be ruled. Why did I preach self-sacrifice? If you kill a man's sense of personal value, he'll submit. 
That's potent. That's from the Fountainhead. That's by Ayn Rand, my favorite author. And that is her villain exposing himself. He's saying great man can great men, meaning men who think independently, who think rationally, who pursue rational goals and love of their life and have courage and have pride in themselves and earn sense of pride. Those great men, by men she, he means men and women, that if you can kill their sense of value, if you can make them feel guilty for wanting anything, a new dress, a new car, a new boat, a new house, a new career, a new anything, if you can make them feel unearned guilt, you can rule their mind. If you can introduce self-doubt into their mind that who are you to enjoy life, you're just being selfish. That's what we all hear. If you can do that to a person, you own them. You just you can control them by guilt, and that is heinous. Is that the word? <laughs> no, that heinous, was, heinous. That's awful. That's that that's hideous. And if you feel any of that inside of you, that envy, that desire to kill the best in people, you want to clean up your act because you're not going to like yourself. The first person you hate will be yourself. And if you're a victim. If you've been told, don't be selfish, you know, you should always think of others, Susie's a good person because she only thinks of others, then I would read The Fountainhead and Ayn Rand and Atlas Shrugged, any of her works, because you will see that self-valuing, self-esteem is not what people say it is. It's not the brute running roughshod over others, taking advantage of them, but it's, a, it's your source of self-esteem. It's your source of pride. And anybody, if you're sitting in church or a temple or if you're an Islamic fundamentalist and you hear the preacher saying, you should give to others, you should only think of others, you, you know, you're selfish and, you know, God will only love you, blah, 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 if you think of others. That's the same principle. Men can't be ruled unless you preach self-sacrifice. You kill a man's sense of personal value and he'll submit. So that's that's just to say a wake-up call. Don't let anyone do that to you, whether you're in an abusive relationship or whether you're hearing that from religious sources, which do it all the time, or whether you're hearing it from secular sources. You have to always give to the community. You have to always give. It's always a one-way street, and that's not the way life should be. Life should be you pursuing your values, never taking advantage of anyone else, having a genuine generosity and benevolence towards other people who have earned your generosity and benevolence, not just being a prostitute and giving to every random person because you feel some unearned guilt that someone induced in you. For more Dr. Kenner podcast, go to drkenner.com and please listen to this ad. Here's an excerpt from The Selfish Path to Romance, the serious romance guidebook by clinical psychologist Dr. Ellen Kenner and co-author Dr. Edwin Locke. How do you make yourself worthy? Genuine self-esteem comes from relying on your power to think. Here are some examples of what this means. Thinking about the long-range consequences of your actions, not just about the short range. Are you thinking about plans for retirement, the health consequences of your lifestyle? Making firm decisions about your life rather than drifting aimlessly. Do you think about finding a job that you really enjoy? Choosing your own values rather than thoughtlessly copying what others seek. Do you copy your parents' or peers' values without thinking, or do you choose your own? You can download Chapter 1 for free by going to drkenner.com. And you can buy The Selfish Path to Romance at amazon.com.